Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello, welcome to the Autocar Podcast, My Week in Cars, with Matt Pryor, that's me, Steve Cropley, he's across the table at the boardroom of the British Motor Museum. Hello, Stephen. Poor, we feel pretty grand, don't mate, we, mate? The wood panelling in here and these luxurious leather chairs that will be squeaking in the background. It's gorgeous, and what a nice place. And a, and a view of a load of extremely nice Vauxhalls. Just yeah, it's cool, isn't it? Yeah, I knew, I knew the Vauxhall Heritage Collection had come up here, but I didn't realise that it was so prominently just outside, you know, just on its mezzanine of its own yeah. inside the museum proper. It's cool. No, they've taken a lot of trouble to to um, to make it look good because, you know, not least because Vauxhall was such a major player in um, mm. British car history. Yeah. Mate, we have a letter. Autocar at... Goodness, we've got a few, <laughs> actually. Autocar at haymarket.com is the email if you want to find us. And Robert Morgan has written in to say... Matthew, following on from last week's discussion about the reliability of modern cars and the variable nature of cars uh, from some time ago, feels a bit cruel to pull out the old TVR stereotype. I yeah. can't remember how that came about, but it wasn't... Did I just... But anyway, we mentioned, yeah, we did mention TVRs, didn't we? We probably did, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, I think I was rattling on about um, the, how the, the Boxster had, had... Oh, had done it off. You know, had done all the rest yeah. of them because it was so reliable. Yeah. As a counterpoint, back in my younger days, says Robert, I had a succession of six TVRs from 1989 to 2002 as my daily drivers, and save for running out of fuel once, which I have to take responsibility for, none ever left me at the side of the road. Fast forward to today, and my Porsche Taycan has had three trips on the back of an AA truck in the past two years. Uh, well, it's a, it's a fair point. It's mm. a fair point. I think he's been lucky with his TVRs because I have seen a fair number of broken down ones and I have also heard Peter Wheeler do you remember the the famous founder who mm. well not the founder but, but the owner for a long time yeah he used to we used to pick a fight with him every so often and he'd his, his line was always the same Porsches break down too you know yeah <laughs> as as Robert uh, reports thanks yeah. Bert, thanks Bertie for that uh, P.S. he says about time we had an update on the imp isn't it yeah is it I don't know is it I mean, it hasn't, yeah, it, hasn't, it hasn't moved much since I last used it. But as 
we were talking about it the other day, you and I, weren't yeah. we? I think it needs, for me, to really enjoy it. I think I'd probably want more power out of it. So I'm going to, I think at some point, I'm going to bite the bullet and make the BMW yeah. 1200 bike engine swap. I had a few of those engines, mm. and it's a lovely engine. Really? You know, bulletproof, powerful, big power, big power band. I'm a, you I know, two my, to eight and a half sort of thing. Yeah, people say above 1,500, 2,000 RPM, you wouldn't know it wasn't effectively a, just a really good imp engine. Yeah. My thing is that bike engines are always made, because it was in a K1200 something or other, sort of a sports Tourer type thing or a big yeah, Tourer was type it, thing? Yeah, it was uh, initially, what was it, K... Oh, God. Is it a 1200 LT or something? Is that right? Or was yeah, it, it was in that something? one, but, it, but they increased it in size several times. Right. My, I think, I suppose my worry is with bike engines is they, they are not necessarily designed to have the load of a 700 kilo machine yeah. to lug around. You know, they're supposed to lug around two to 300 kilos. Yeah. So that's always in the back of my mind that they're not kind of designed for that work. Yeah. But at least the, the swap you can buy, you can buy all the bits. It keeps the standard engine, uh, sorry, it keeps the standard transmission and clutch and all of that stuff from the imp so it spins over at a normal speed it's not massively buzzy no 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 yeah it i think my memory is that redline was eight and a half mm. and and the thing that was great was that it was it was just so flexible yeah but also they use it in do you remember in those formula bmw single seat racing cars oh really that was the power unit was it and that um, is interesting. and it was, i didn't know that so it's a bit heavier than a motorbike. Yeah. I mean, a single seat is not heavy, but mm. but it, all the problems that you could be could worry about would be you know the clutch and the and the the step off and all that. Pretty much fine. Yeah, would have been tested in yeah. much Big, to much higher too. yeah to much higher forces than I would be putting it through because yeah, I, I so. might have been yeah. skinny tires because the imps everything light, else. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think the seven hundred kilos are standard, and somebody I was reading about somebody who uh, races one on track test one the other day I think they weighed theirs under 650 really I mean so I would I would take that that's catering territory it's isn't getting it? there isn't it yeah, yeah it's getting there yeah so I'm pleased about that Steve let's talk your column briefly it was well let's talk your column uh, not briefly in fact let's <laughs> talk it at, at, at length it's London Motor Week this week and yeah. you've been to a few things uh, what should we talk about well, first? Well, we both have. You, well, we both have some. Yeah. What should yeah. we talk first? Should we talk? Well, last week's pod got yeah. done as a part of London Motor Week. In fact, it was a, the sort of opening bid for London Motor Week, the Monday night. Mm. We'd normally have recorded in the previous week, but we held it over, didn't we? Because we were offered an opportunity to go to the Royal Automobile Club with a bunch of readers and and members and various people who wanted to come, about 150, mm. wasn't that? And, I think so. And, um, yeah. We did it, along yeah. with Andy Palmer, Dr. Andy Palmer, the mm. man who was behind the Nissan Leaf and uh, ran Aston Martin for six years. Yeah. And, and he was fabulous, wasn't he? He was great, wasn't he? He was great. I think I liked your point that he's, while he's an industry bigwig, so to speak, he's not Mr. Corporate from whatever he's representing at the time. He just speaks as he finds. Yeah. What I'd, somebody asked me about it. They said, what was it like? I said, the nice thing about it is he actually answers the question that you ask him. Yeah. He doesn't answer the question that he thinks he should answer yeah. or wants to ask, like a politician would hear your question and then answer a very slightly different one. He just speaks as he as, yeah. as you ask, which I think is true. Wasn't that a great moment when he when he kind of let slip? I think um, 
possibly not not quite as uh, in the detail that he that he that he came out that he he at one stage been offered the, to to run Tesla. Yeah, three times by Elon. By Elon. And uh, and then as a follow up, you know, I said to him later, why didn't you do it then? Mm. And instead of sort of saying, oh well, you know, various reasons, which you and I, well, not you, but I would have done. He said, well because I thought I might not last very long in the company and I might not be heard over the voice of Elon. Yeah. And I I think that was candor at its best. Yeah. It didn't so. do him any harm, did it? It just made no. him a good bloke. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, really enjoyed it. That podcast is available, same place you're listening to this podcast, but it's a bit longer than usual, isn't it? Because there's a Q&A with some listeners, uh, readers in the second half with the wider Autocar team. Yeah. Well. So if you haven't listened to it yet go back and have a listen because yeah. it's be I'm interesting really to get annoying. some views on it wouldn't it you know it's just because it is quite different from what we've been doing and, and uh you know if um if 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 it's a if it's a good idea great tell us if it's a bad yeah. idea tell us yeah. loudly you know? i'm also i'm always sort of inclined to just keep doing what we if it if something works just keep doing it and don't yeah. mess around with it too much well but, we've had a bit of that haven't we yeah but people do say to us oh why don't you have more guests why don't yeah. you do this why don't you do that and i sort of think well i, I don't know but yeah. yeah let us know well we've got one or think. two guests in the frame haven't we, we but have. but but i think the the plan is just to keep rattling on like this across a table isn't it yeah which is all or right. hey mate and if all the tables are like this yeah and you buy me an apple danish every week i'm all for it <laughs> the only trouble is we we we, we do lack the ginger cat Oh yeah, that is true. Yeah, Midge, uh, my cat is not is not here, and I I feel um, the lack. To be honest, mate, he will be at home on his own, distraught at the moment, in the rain, sitting in the conservatory, here in the rain on the roof, thinking, "Where is Stephen? Where are they? Where is yeah. my week? Where is my weekly dose of Stephen Cropley?" <laughs> um, you've spent some time in a Polestar two. Yeah, I was looking forward to this for a long time. I like the Polestar two. I I just mm. like the look of it from a distance. The sort of lovely, simple. Um, lines pretty similar to the concept car that started out as it was called concept one or concept two or something yeah, a volvo it was a volvo wasn't it yeah and they uh, thomas ingenlath who was the design director moved to polestar and he took mm-hmm. the car with him in it effectively didn't yeah. he and he's the he's so he was a designer wasn't he? he was chief designer yeah but he is now CEO he's now the boss of, yeah the boss of polestar yeah yeah and they built that car faithfully and and it's been in production for a few years you know three or four i suppose and but the car i like is the one that has moved the single engine to the rear axle mm-hmm. and therefore it's rear drive it's a bit more powerful it's lighter than the twin engine car it's got a very good range i mean the wltp is 400 but i think realistically it's about 340 350 right that seems to me a very good electric car and i happen to like because i understand it the hmi the the uh, infotainment i can i think i can figure out every symbol and and uh, and number on the entire thing which is a record for me they're quite large font and yeah it's not too i ran one for hmm, six months or 12 months. oh you had the you had the performance jobby didn't yeah, you yeah the twin engine uh, yeah. the twin motor yeah which was With the only intrig- dampers with the Odin's dampers, yeah. It was quite, yeah. and you had to get underneath if you wanted to adjust them. Yes. Actually had to, but somebody said you have to jack it up, but you, if you've got small enough arms, yeah. if you've got spindly arms, you can send one of your children into it, <laughs> slacking off the dampers. But yeah, it was, uh, I, don't, I, I don't know about that damper thing, because it's, it's pretty niche, isn't it? It is, but, but I, in fact, I've swapped the one that is in the magazine hmm. 
than we're talking about for a performance where it's outside oh, the, the first thing I've here we are in the British Motor Museum yeah boardroom very mm. flat and um and the only thing I've done is to drive it up the Foss Way and I must say I oh, I'm impressed by the body control it's yeah. firm it's yeah. pretty firm but but there isn't that sort of slightly topply you know pitchy feeling that some cars of the big batteries have got so mm. I, I, I I'm enjoying it yeah I like I, mean, goes, I, I liked it but yeah. I didn't mess around with the dampers very no. much once I'd found a road happy setting yeah did but you th- actually adjust, adjust them at all I did a bit yeah I mean not a lot I did it a couple of times because you know did presumably the, the they give you a load of destructions do they yeah do they say we're, we've currently set them to I think middling to firm but there's a track setting which I don't suppose anybody ever yeah. goes on track and there's a a, you know, a, a comfort setting where you click them right back. There's, there's like 15 steps on each one or oh, something like that. So it's quite. So it's a lot of clicks as you run it back through. Okay. But I found one that was, yeah, I found one that I quite liked. But also, yeah. I wondered. There was one drive I had, sort of spirited back road drive, and I thought this seems to be getting better and better. And I wondered if you needed basically to warm up the damper oil a bit yeah. by going going out of a road reasonably quickly for it to suddenly go oh yeah okay and the oil maybe gets a bit less viscous and starts yeah. to work better i don't know but it the was, thing it i was did enjoyable. find that just just on the, on this driver that it, the car seemed more suited to getting stuck into it a bit than just mm. drifting along yeah uh, i don't usually don't like cars like that because i'm an innate natural born drifter along but i did find it i really enjoyed giving it a little bit mm. it's good you say in your column you think that the rear motor one felt a bit quieter to you than yes it, i think it's quieter than this one you can yeah. i think maybe you can hear the front motor yeah maybe you can yeah. it, it it's a good car the single the single motor one because i think it's got 290 not but that's enough in it God. well especially the way they develop power as well because it's 290 horsepower plus whatever pounds foot but it just comes yeah. in from nothing doesn't it it does I've driven a Volvo EX30, which is in the mag uh, and online on video. Now, what's that? That's the lifted. So that's the lifted baby SUV. compact baby SUV. Right, yeah. got it. And that is that comes in a four-wheel drive performance or a rear-wheel drive mode, and the four-wheel drive performance has got 400 and something horsepower. Yeah, it's a it's a B sector SUV. Does 60 in three and a half seconds. Wow, which is just bonkers but, it, mad, but it, yeah, yeah it's a bit mad but it drives much more nicely than the smart hashtag one brabus which has got the same power but oh, a really uncontrolled chassis but the nicest one to drive is absolutely the rear wheel drive one oh, which has got 280 go. horsepower no drive to the front wheels but a bit, it just, bit less load over the front well, wheels yeah it drives yeah. really well really really well and it does 60 and 5 and a bit which well, i imagine it saves you from, a few grand as well yeah i think they're 30 Mm, well, like thir- about 37 rather than 44 well, sounds good or something or something. there's a 4 grand I think difference I think wow. or thereabouts, thereabouts oh I must give one of those a yeah. trundle I'm going to be intrigued what you think about the infotainment uh, the uh, HMI whatever in, yeah. in the AX30 because I hated it oh did you yeah oh, I mean I like, really really hated it mm. fog lights are in the fog lights it takes a too. lot to make you hate things I know Jack our videographer was in the back as I went through for the video the touchscreen yeah. thing and he said I've never seen you that angry bro <laughs> and he's seen me mate. he's seen me get on a plane and watching other people with their massive wheelie bags that they can't lift into the overhead lockers pretending it's hand baggage and it's clearly not <laughs> but yeah so 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 he knows 
what it takes to buy me up. Oh, uh, right. Yeah, I was... Uh, I, was at, I don't think it's right for a Volvo. I don't think a Volvo should have the rain sensitivity thing for the wipers two menus away. I don't think the, oh, I don't think the fog light should be two menus away on a touchscreen. No, no, no. I don't think the mirrors should be on a touchscreen. I think that stuff is... See, the Polestar's totally got none like, of that. Yeah, it's got a proper mirror switches, hasn't it's, it? It's relatively simple. Yeah. yeah. And I think the uh, the intermittent wipers are just on an adjuster as well. Mm. It doesn't even doesn't even look at the rain and decide how heavy it is. It just leaves it to you. Yeah. I think. It's just... It was it was too... It's too much. It's yeah. too much. And m- when most manufacturers are starting to back out of it, you know, for Volvo to go the full tech yeah. bro, ooh, yeah, let's put everything on That's a screen. That's a mistake, isn't it's it? It's a mistake. It's a real error, I think. Yeah, significant error. For uh, me. Yeah. Um, tell me about uh, Rawdon Glover. Oh, well, we... Um, I, uh, the last few years, I've interviewed um, a motor industry luminary for the for the... The Royal Automobile Club has a thing called the Motor Industry Dinner in the mm. middle of London Motor Week. And it's just a dinner, except that the guest is a, you know, an important person. Mm. And they get me to, or somebody, to, to ask the questions. And, and um, this Rawdon Glover is, in, is the managing director of Jaguar and has been for the last um, year. Mm-hmm. And he's a 10-year Jaguar man, so okay. he knows the mark. Jaguar only. Not Jaguar only, no I believe, although he's ha- they've all touched the other side, mm. haven't they, the, these guys? I mean, he knew a fair bit about it. Mm. But anyway, he he came along and, we, you know, we we got to discussing things like the timetable, the fact that the cars will, you know, that we'll see the first concept next year and cars in 25. Between 25 and 27, they'll launch a three-model um, lineup. He wouldn't say what the what the sec the second the second and third were but the right. first one is going to be a Porsche Taycan-ish car okay except he made it pretty clear that this was going to be a Marmite car it was going to be a, one something that you either found amazing or not too good from a design perspective yeah 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 Jerry oh, that's interesting isn't it it is is, is Jerry McGovern the he's designer the, he's of the chief creative officer of JLR which means so that he's he, in charge of all design. Really. Okay. Um, and but this will be his first Jag, of course. Mm, yeah. He did have. He worked for Ford and did Lincolns and things and some pretty radical mm. concept cars. But that's quite a few years ago. Mm. So it's it's a fair test for the guy. I mean, he's um, he's got a wonderful pedigree going right back to the original Freelander and all that and yeah. the MGF indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. which the more you look at it, whatever the residuals say, it's a good looking little car. And the and the Freelander is. He's a good-looking. Yeah. Original Freelanders get better and better looking. They do. To my yeah. Eyes. Yeah. Uh, it's my first. Uh, ooh, did I work? Yes. I. One of the only cars I worked on as a as an engineer, trainee engineer. Really. It was the it was because I worked for a plastics company that was doing the. I forget what exactly, but they were they were they were a plastic molding company, and they oh. made the molds for some of the Freelander and Rover Two Hundred. Can you point to a thing that you did? Uh, I mean, I did. I, I didn't do a lot because it was blokes in a tool room actually shaping moulds with milling machines and later on by hand and everything else. But I, I had to take some of uh, the electrodes, which was which were used for spark erosion of the metal, just to finally oh. polish it. Yeah. And we had to take them up and get them signed off by people within MG Rover at the time yeah. because they were insistent 
it was a you know it was a quality drive under BMW ownership, I suppose. Yeah. They said these these moulds have to be correct. But yeah, the t- Rover two hundred centre console oh, I was no. involved with bits on Freelander, but I don't remember which bits. And it must be funny to to uh, to see that stuff now. Yeah, even. Imagine being a like a proper designer and seeing that stuff. Yeah, you know, seeing your car on the road. I know. Yeah, must be cool. It's amazing. Yeah, but I suppose. I mean, people are always pointing out, well, not always, but now and then, you know, people point out some nonsense that you wrote 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Yeah. You know, this must happen to you, and you read this stuff and you think, who wrote that then? Who wrote that? Oh, yes, yeah, somebody <laughs> did it the other day. Not very good, a, is it? A, a colleague of ours from <laughs> Caterham the other day said, uh, yeah, you wrote that thing prior about that Caterham should maybe buy the Lotus Elise uh, tooling. I went, did I? That <laughs> <laughs> wasn't me. And he sent me a link the next day saying, there you go. Yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, some of it doesn't stand up too well, does it? Yeah, but. No. but uh, I'm but sure anyway, sorry, uh, Rawdon... No, he's, oh, he's yeah, Raw, well, he he was... Clearly, there's a lot they just don't want to say, hmm. you know, trying to maintain the the, um, the impact for later. But, but you know, we he talked about the, the challenge, and, I mean, my point was that very, very rarely in all history had there been an occasion when a, a car... A car has or a mark has changed its motive power its design style its uh, manufacturing position um, location mm-hmm. uh, you know and all the other things that are changing and and leaving behind 70 or 80 years of of bias because yeah. everybody that bought a jaguar paid it lower was, was in a lower price bracket than what they're going to be asking them to to oh, join this time so it's going to be it's, it's going to be. Do you think it's going to be Taycan? He says upper, the upper end Taycan yeah, Taycan. pricing. He, he says he was quite uh, straightforward about the fact that the Taycan was in their zone, mm-hmm. and that and that the um, the price, the sort of centre of gravity of prices was was around 100, okay. 110. Okay. But you would be able to pay, you know, 150 probably, mm. and by the time the third model is in. It's bound to go up in price, but by the time the third model's around, uh, you know, you'd be 150 plus, I guess. Mm. But it was interesting. There were there were there was this group of about 100 people, I think. Yeah. I asked for a show of hands how many were Jaguar owners or had been, and I reckon half of the people put their arm, put their mm. their hand up. So there's a there were people who were very interested in in knowing. What was going to happen, and saw themselves as prospective owners in the future. Mm. Doesn't sound like a brand with uh, no brand equity, does it? Steve? Oh well, <laughs> no. Jerry got himself into trouble, didn't he? For, 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 I, I think he meant something else. I yeah, think what I he think meant probably. was that there's no. If you're looking for the outline of the XK120 or E-Type in the cars we build, we're not mm. going to be doing that. Mm. And that, but he didn't. I think he, his tongue slipped a bit, as it's inclined to. Yeah. Do you think right? So, not he's he's right in that you know name another company with that heritage that is having a, a brand new design language, a brand new power motive, yeah, and a and a brand new position in the market. I mean, it probably needs one, yeah, but that's not necessarily something to be proud of, is it? Because no. most manufacturers don't need one at this point. No, they, no, they, are, they, was, they run he, he, themselves better. Absolutely true. Yeah. Rawdon was was admirably candid about how they'd failed in the BMW oh, really? sector, mm-hmm. and you know they did it for good reasons, and they and because 
you know the cars in the BMW sector are damn good cars aren't they yeah. but, but they just found they couldn't do it the, mm. you know the, the 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 people there already had too much momentum and and understood the sector too well mm. so I found myself I, I think what was good with Rawdon a convincing bloke you know really good talker mm. had all the facts that he was prepared to let out um, and he I think he went pretty close to convincing the room somebody said find me another time when somebody's um, you know d d made such a radical change and he and he thought for five seconds and he said defender and oh, yeah. suddenly everybody thought by Jove, the bloke's right. Yeah, that is quite a convincing. It is. A, it was convincing, and you could see the mood in the room change. Oh, interesting. And the defender, of course, is going the absolute gangbusters. They can't yeah, yeah, make yeah. enough. Yeah, yeah. So if they can do that with a jag, it'll be a most. It'll be an astounding piece of history. We will be lucky to be sitting on it, won't we? Yeah, totally. Can't wait to drive one. Yeah, me too. I think I saw one coming out of a test track. Do you? Not long ago. Very, disguised? very, yeah, heavily, so heavily disguised you couldn't tell, and it was gone before I'd managed to whip out my pen to write down the registration number. Did but you? Did you? Big. Was there enough about it to form an opinion of the shape? No, not really. No, I think it was sort of boxed out at front and completely rear, so covered in bin yeah, bags. It was, it, yeah, it was really hard to. Yeah, it was one of those. It was one of those that's got a bit of bags on it as well as tape, so you yeah. couldn't really sense the. They did the announce shape, a while looked, ago that we'd start to see runners, didn't they? Yeah, it looked long and long and low. wide and low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he did talk about lowness, mm. and he said it's. I think he, his words. I have to listen again, but I think he said it's 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 not small. It's quite. You know, oh, it it's looked massive. Big. Yeah, it looked huge. Yeah, but you know, it's bagged up and yeah, disguised, so they all look quite big, don't they? But yeah, I can't wait to see it. Oh, me too. Yeah, yeah. Right, Steve and I are going to take a short break and we'll be back with more My Week in Cars in just a moment. What car would you buy if you could buy any car? What car would you buy if you knew you could save thousands? What car would you buy if you could compare the latest offers from approved dealers? What car would you buy if you could do all of this in one place in just a few simple clicks? And where would you go to buy that car? What car? Car buying made easy. Visit whatcar.com to buy your next new car. Hello, welcome back to the My Week in Cars podcast. You can write to us, autocar at haymarket.com. And David Tonery has done that, who says, Hello, Stephen Matt. Just wanted to ask if you saw the recent Which Car Satisfaction Survey, which we did because we talk about it in last week's podcast yeah. and your column. Um, anyway, it, apparently it ranked the Alpine A110 dead last. Yeah, there's... Well, Did you see I, that? I heard of subsequently, yeah. Yeah. Considering Steve's recent issues with his Alpine, is there any truth to it? Or were these a bunch of disgruntled Cayman owners ringing the numbers? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it can't have helped that there's been... that that the, um, the, the various Alpine gremlins have been in the news. Yeah. Um, and I've had a lot of mail since, you know, my... talking about all this. And... and uh, because it was your fuel pump. A fuel pump, pump yeah. And and my, I was lucky. My car was off the road a total of 10 days, but mm -hmm. it wasn't a daily driver for me, so it didn't matter much. The AA and Alpine UK and my local dealer all performed really well, I think. Mm -hmm. The cars 
back to new I've already you know since it went wrong I've done 700 miles in it it's lovely mm. but the, those things really make a big hole in your in mm. your um, um, you know your reputation and mm. given that Alpine are, are trying to begin a seven model uh, lineup mm. so they say you know you can't have the first one being pilloried can you no so it is it's lots of the same Yes, that fuel yeah, pump I seems think to have it's, a it seems to be three things: alternator, battery, fuel pump. Oh, really? And you and you you wonder about. Uh, there's no excuse for a battery, you know. You, mm. you unless the battery's just gone wrong because the car's been cranked so many times by somebody who's not realised the fuel pump's dead. Yeah. Um, so those, but it must be galling if you're a car manufacturer because those things just get bought in, don't they? They, yeah. you know, you yeah, you you send a. a an order down the road for 30,000 alternators and yeah I mean of all the things you don't think about you know when you because that when you see a a cutaway of that chassis on the Alpine and it's aluminium and tiny and there's so much effort and work that goes into getting all that right and they think and surely they must think well we'll just stick the mechanicals uh, to the ones we know yeah (laughs) you know we'll just get those We'll we'll just place an order for those to be go wrong must be Infuriating for them, yeah. yeah. But the thing, but Alpine has got a a, a pretty um, energetic MD now, a lady called Nicola Burnside, and and I used the Alpine um, sort of breakdown, you, you know, tell us what's gone wrong phone line, and the guy I dealt with was gold. You know, he was so good. I wondered if he felt like having a job in our company, <laughs> and uh, is that. So you think of the number of times we saw it in the olden days in the in the British motor industry. Something starts off with a bad reputation, and it mm. it has to fight it off. Yeah. It's, it's what is it they say? Uh, oh God, I don't know. A, a bad reputation is over the horizon before a, before a good reputation has got a shoes on or something. Oh like yeah, that. okay, yeah, and, yeah. And and uh, I think they. I think I don't think the cars particularly deserve the 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 reputation but they've got it Hmm. and it'll take them a while to fight it off yeah but my i'm going to keep the car i like it yeah i mean it's a keeper for you isn't it it's back and it's happy and yeah it's it's lovely i just bought a new cover for it it looks fabulous under its purple cover thing is um it's i just see it as a as a as a sort of monument to uh or 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 a a peak petrol car almost you know Mm. light small Mm. quite quick you know and uh, nicely designed I fit in it which is good the missus is happy rides well you can stick it up Prescott and mm. with a bit of a reward it's great yeah uh, seven cars Alpine seven seven distinct separate models well Renault's I don't know about or? that they say you, you sort of slightly wonder whether they'll be you know crossover version, a bit like a oh a, a coupe version of a crossover yeah and they'll count you know like the models. Taycan is several yeah, cars yeah, okay I don't know, but but I think there's certainly going to be an A110 replacement. There's going to be the, this little um, R5 Renault 5 uh, offshoot called the R290, oh, okay, uh, which is electric, mm-hmm. and and then a bunch of others that get a bit bigger. I think there's even going to be quite a big car because Luca De Mio, the Renault boss, has got it in his head that in order to make reasonable profits, they have to keep selling cars of of a size, right. 
everything can't be a small car, otherwise they make 50 quid a car. Yeah, yeah. Which has been a problem for a lot of people for a long time. Yeah. Only Dacia seemed to be able to sell. Yeah, quite. Low volume. Low well, volume. and you would think if they if there were not Renaults that Dacia later adopted, yeah, or technology that Dacia later adopted, it wouldn't make money on its own. No, no, in, no. in the same way that Ford Motor Company in Europe makes loads of money off commercial vehicles, but no money off of cars. Yeah. But if it didn't have cars, it wouldn't be able to make any money off of. The same yeah. engines it puts in. So cars. interesting, isn't it? It is, it is, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Did I tell you that that stuff that when I was, to, you know, I interviewed Demio a few weeks ago, mm. three weeks ago, I think it was. I was asking him about the electrification of Dacia because that, you know, electrification is expensive, blah, blah. Yeah. How is he going to pull that off? And he said, we've got a bit of a problem because we, because a Dacia is, the, the, the sort of rules of engagement of Dacia is to, for us to use. At, uh, equipment that's a generation behind Renault. Mm. That's how we keep them cheap. Mm. But the problem we've got with with Dacia, electric Dachas is that battery costs are falling so fast that if we use a generation behind battery for uh, for the new Dacia, it'll actually be more expensive because <laughs> they don't make those yeah. batteries anymore. No, they've that's moved, it. They've moved on. Battery prices are falling. Oh, interesting. So oh, interesting. So that it'll be interesting to see how they attack that. I think yeah. his his plan was to not not be there very soon with electrified Dachas and mm. just wait until the till the, oh, the demand was really strong. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean that seems to make sense for, Does, the, for the plate for the. They sell a lot to private buyers. Actually, we'll come, we might as well segue into my column from this. Yeah, they sell a lot to private buyers, don't they? And yeah. they sell a lot in Eastern and Southern Europe where. Charging infrastructure is not as strong yeah. as it is here. That's it. Anyway, so yeah. It, but you it, made a fantastic point about the Dacia. Well, uh, so my, yeah. So my well, my column this week. Thank you. They, they are. What's the more? Yeah. So Dacia Sandero scored two stars in Euro and Cap crash yeah. test, but it's not just a crash test, is it? Because it's an assessment of. Um, the stuff they put in the car as well. Yeah. Actually, the Sandero's occupant protection, as far yeah. as I remember, was not bad, but it doesn't have all of the latest advanced driving systems. It's not a knee bag systems. or something like that. Yeah, it doesn't. There's all kinds. There's various things it doesn't have in terms of forward-looking cameras or radar. One or the other, it doesn't quite have because Dacia turned around and said, "We're trying to sell cars at ten grand, so yeah. we can't put all the latest stuff on. We're not going to put all the latest stuff on." in terms of of driver assistance and active safety and NCAP have you know duly tested it and crashed it and gone mate it's only got two stars what do you say and Dutcher went I don't care buyers don't care it's the best selling car in Europe we're making small cheap cars that people can afford and NCAP got very haughty about it and retested the Zoe and awarded it no stars and said look at Renault Group they used to be the paragons of safety and now they're getting no stars for their cars and giving it up and I thought well what other car manufacturer is going to therefore step out of line and say we don't mm-hmm. care but that's anyway, a but that's, that's a but anyway the, sorry go on. well no I was just going to say the the, uh, the NCAP aren't doing themselves any favours it seems to me what they're what they're they're, they're coming across all petulant when, when uh, what we're supposed to be talking about is absolutes here yeah and uh, so the reason, I, the reason I wrote what I wrote in my in my column this week is I started out saying the people get in, as we've reported recently, people get into cars and they turn off some of the advanced driver assistance systems yeah. 
because it doesn't work properly. Yeah. And NCAP plus well, we all do that, the industry, we? We, all do it. we all do it, mate. I've got a Genesis. First thing I do, switch it off. The, steer, the steering assist because it, it's tugging the wheel before I've gone anywhere at all. First thing I do as I drive up the drive. Is that the one you were talking about the other day where, where if you look away, such as... No, that's the, so that's the separate, that's the GSR2 regulations which come in middle of 2024, oh, right. which, Sorry, which mean well. that's a tension assist, but they also go off. Yeah. when you check over your shoulder to look at a scooter that you're trying not to hit. You know, and it'll just go, bing, bing, bing. You're not paying attention. You think, I am paying attention because I'm, I'm trying not to not hit that bloke over there. I'm just trying to... Keep him out it. of hospital, yeah. And then, you know, it'll tell you if you're going over the speed limit when it's misread the road sign. Oh. And all of these things that have been mandated, partly with the... It's, it's, it's an EU regulation. It's not an NCAP regulation. It's an EU regulation. Cars have to have it. But NCAP is a part of the process in yeah. helping it along as is the industry when you talk to engineers in the industry and say is this stuff good enough they go mm, well i don't really i don't really know an end cap go well we need to find out why people are turning this stuff off the reason why is it's irritating me that's the reason it doesn't work well enough no. because it throws up so many false positives yeah and um anyway i wrote in my column printer sales are down by a quarter apparently according to john lewis <laughs> because printers are awful and people hate printers. people hate printers people hate printers because they are horrible they try and suck you into a subscription and oh, no, i'm not going to work with that like a print cartridge and actually i'm not going to print anything well i only want black and white yeah but your yellows run out well i don't want yellow it doesn't matter you've got to replace that's the sort of thing printers do so people just go well stuff it i won't yeah. buy a printer and People won't buy things they don't want. No, and there is a reason no, no. that people buy more Dacias yeah. with their own cash than other things. And the thing that deserves to be said, I think, is that a Dacia, the, the Dacia Sandero and a Zoe hmm. is, a, is a car with an extremely well-proven, crash-worthy structure and, yeah. you know, airbags and covered in rollover protection and all the rest of it. It's not hmm. a bad car at all. No, no. No, and the, I mean, occupants of cars are very, very well protected. And the next logical step to protect people, and this stuff comes from good intentions, doesn't it? The next yeah. logical step to reduce road casualties is to put in the active stuff that protects the more vulnerable road users around us. Because yeah. it's actually pretty unusual that somebody falls off the road in a car on their own yeah. and comes a cropper. You know, there's usually, it's, and the, so the next step is to make people stay in lane, pay attention, watch their speed. Yeah there will be a thing that monitors people's alcohol and influence of other drugs level when they find the right technology to support it. You know, those are the things that they think need to, you know, they think need to happen to improve road casualties, but it's not good enough not yet to be enough. trustworthy. That's, yep. the, that's the problem. People have yeah, got to trust this that, stuff. And you can't, if it goes off eight times, are well, you going to turn it off? People just are going to turn it off, aren't they? Yeah. And I think that's, anyway. No, you're right. Do you remember the the other week we were talking about the the I had a machine that read the speed limit off the back of a French school that's bus. Right. Yeah, that's right. We said you could do 100 miles an hour. Yeah, yeah. Wacko, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> um, mate, tell me uh, briefly about the BMW X5 uh, cars for Ukraine dot com. Oh, well, I'm matey with with um, a guy called Ian Sanderson, who's a, one of these entrepreneurial folks who's done everything from racing offshore speedboats to to uh, starting advertising agencies and God knows what. And he's he currently owns the Vanwall Mark, hmm. 
uh, he's having a bit of a battle to make it stand up, but he's doing a good job. Anyway, he's he's got this 18 and a half year old, or had this 18 and a half year old BMW X5, 255,000 miles, perfect health. Always, he said, had only been to a main dealer twice in its life because the local garage was perfectly good at looking after it. <laughs> Healthy. Yeah. And he thought, right, I'm going to send this to Ukraine because somebody told him that they particularly need old or, or you know, healthy but, um, you know, pretty seasoned 4 by 4s to go to places where normal two-wheel drive cars can't go. Mm-hmm. And, and you, you, you know, a, a SUV that's had a bit of a life can is the ideal car. So off it went, and yeah. it's now doing the job, going Excellent. in and out of Kiev with laden with medical stuff. Does it come back here and then go out back there, or is it doing the rounds? No, I think it's. There? I think it's. It's in the front line. It's oh, going you. back and forth between, yeah. um, you know, places where people need. people where supplies come in and people yeah. need treatment. Oh, okay. So he and he's really proud of it because mm. it's it's apparently you know he gets had the odd note from the guys using it. I mean, you did all this, didn't you? Yeah, well, we took a, for a feature, we took an ambulance, well, three ambulances over. And actually, Haymarket has done, Autocar's parent company has done yeah. the same since with a couple of stars. But I mean, you're, you you're got, minimizing, uh, your, you're not quite for a feature, well, I dro- well, You did it because you thought you should well, do it. Well, I did it because I thought we should do it. And we drove one to yeah. Lviv, and we well, drove three to Lviv and dropped them off at a charity what were they again? out there. Uh, they were... Uh, Trainings. Ooh, Peugeot, ooh, blimey, whatever they're called, the ambulance, the Peugeot. Oh, so the, the, the delivery vans. Yeah, the, yeah, with the windows and not the first response emergency ambulances, but kitted out with stretchers and stuff, filled with medical aid. Yeah. I drove them out there, and there's a charity out there that are delighted to have them. And then, yeah, got a, got a photo back uh, a few weeks later from, and actually even a few months later, going, here is one of them painted green still out on the right in the east on the front line doing stuff amazing and, uh, they can they can astonish it and that they take the time the mayor's office sent a certificate through to the guy who runs this charity that's called uh, mighty convoy going thanks very much here's a certificate for you to say thank you wow to sending this out to them so yeah so um yeah i mean they need this they need the the kit Beautiful. if you've got the time yeah. and the and the car to do it so that was cars for Ukraine four with a numeral four dot oh, com, wasn't it? Yeah, it was indeed. Uh, let's quickly finish. We've that oh, will make time. Yasa have won the Dewar Trophy. Yeah, well, Yasa make this this. It's an interesting story. It's you're tempted to say it's a new kind of electric motor, and isn't? It's a it's a form of electric motor that's been used in miniature for a long time. Right. But it's a kind of radial motor so it's a disc shaped electric motor rather than a sausage shaped electric motor okay and that and and when expressed the way yasser have figured out how to do it you can remove a large amount of the iron the the, the steel sorry in the in in the in the sort of casing of the motor so it becomes very light mm-hmm. and therefore power efficient but i think for the future it also becomes very handily shaped because they've found a way of enhancing the power, making it lighter, and making and miniaturising it. And of course, these things make you think. Well, the next thing they'll be doing is bunging these in wheel hubs, and yeah. and the the whole motive power of a car will be exported to the wheels, mm. and the and the envelope of the the chassis and all the rest of it will only contain battery and wiring and stuff like that. And the mm. the, the the enemy of wheel motors has always been. Um, Weight, unsprung yep. weight. Oh, weight and shape. 
because how do you fit a sausage-shaped oh, of course. motor yeah. into a, into into a, a wheel. wheel? But if you've got a disc-shaped mm. motor and it doesn't and it weighs you know a third of what they used to weigh, mm. um, and it's powerful anyway, and it's small anyway. You, you know, when you think about it, the, there's the drive aspect, which mm. is lovely. There's the braking aspect, because we know about regen braking on all four wheels. Yep. Um, and, of course, there's the torque vectoring. So you can send a different message to all four motors at, when it's necessary mm. to, to do something different. So if, if there's a, some exaggerated cornering needed, you can speed up the inside wheels or, uh, you know, or the outside wheels. You know, you can just you can assist the car's stability. Yeah. So really exciting prospect. So a single motor uh, Polestar, like you have at yeah, the moment, yeah. a rear-wheel drive Polestar, yeah. the front must just have discs on, yeah. and the rear does regen plus discs yeah. at the back. Yeah. If you had one motor in each rear wheel, you would have discs on the front, yeah. but then you could have rear-wheel drive apportioning as much power as you wanted to each of those rear wheels. Yeah. You might not even need a disc brake in the back at all yeah you could just do it all with one motor in yeah each, especially in since so much of you know maximum effort braking takes place at the front yeah. anyway doesn't it yeah no it's, uh, and, be re- and then as much boot space as you like because you wouldn't have to have a a motor in no. the back i mean no i think from a I packaging think that, point of view it's a the, the, the packaging opportunities are amazing yeah and then chuck in, uh, you know, um, solid-state batteries, which are supposed to be yeah, going to yeah. get smaller and yeah. lighter. And I mean, the, I think the it was funny. You know, I was looking at it was, there were various panels in this London Motor Week mm. that consisted of experts, and it were, you know, there were all these really clever people. Mm. Um, and we're sort of running through all the challenges that exist because there's legal challenges and there's materials problems and there's where the hells are going to be built and who's going to buy it and there you know there are quite a lot of barriers to 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 general electrification ahead mm. but all these blokes were grinning and they were all engineers and, and and i looked at the biggest grinner and i said how can you feel happy about this lot and he said because it's all engineering mate you yeah. know we we love problems where yeah. we're look at the problems we've overcome already mm. every engineer you i know speak to this, in course, being one well no but every I'm, i mean i'm not I, I studied it, but I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, I but wouldn't you must claim know how it feels. Well, when I ask engineers who are working in this field at the minute, guys from a couple of the guys from Lotus, when I drove the uh, Electra, yeah. the, the SUV, and yeah. oh, somebody from uh, one of the Volvo guys, actually the Volvo Dynamics guys, I said, "Are you enjoying working on EVs?" He said, "Yeah, much, well, at least as much as I enjoyed working on ice cars because the possibilities were at the, the start of what we can do." Yeah. I mean, can you imagine a lightweight sports car with solid-state batteries, a motor in each rear wheel, yeah. lightly loaded front end so it doesn't have to have very heavily assisted steering. I mean, an Alpine A110, yeah. but smaller. Lighter. I think that's the promise. Be amazing. Be yeah. the best driver's car I've ever driven. Yeah. Oh, it's. There's a lot of reasons for optimism, mm. aren't there? Yeah, I think so. Well, that's a pretty cheery note to end on. <laughs> Uh, thank you for listening. You can find us over at autocar.co.uk. You can find Autocar's archive at themagazineshop.com, where you can also subscribe to the magazine in print or on digital form. Uh, the Volvo EX30 video is live as we speak. Uh, you can see me get infuriated if you want. Um, <laughs> the, the, the first drive is oh, out this is, the magazine. So this has been videoed, has it? 
the, well, the EX30. Kind of going yeah, off yeah, 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 yeah. Me going off on one. Yeah, Jack was oh, holding the video over my that. head, going, and I had to, and then bits <laughs> I had to say. Where was the thing again? Turn around. And he went. Oh, I think it's in the settings menu. Oh, yeah, it's in the settings menu. You, some of it's so far away from the home screen, mate. Just imagine doing that on the move. Can't be right. Turn on the fog lights on the move with a touch screen. What? What kind of? Who thinks? What kind of tech bro thinks that's a good idea? Um, it's outrageous. Anyway, um, Steve and I will be back with more My Week in Cars. Don't know where we're going to be yet. Probably won't be as luxurious as this. But No, yeah, no, the wood panelling may be missing. No, come and see the cat. <laughs> see you next week. Cheers, mate. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.